We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 208. Good morning, Scott. Good morning. How you doing this morning? Good. Went to a uh, went to an 80s theme party last night, which is why I shaved because beards were not were not in in the 80s. So I figured I'd. They have weren't. That. How do you know that? Just Google. Mustaches were definitely in. I know. As I was just saying, I. I <laughs> Me, just a mustache is not a good look. It makes me look like a pedophile and walking around New York City looking like a pedophile. First of all, Leanne did not want to be seen with me with a mustache and I just didn't want to be out in public with a mustache. Wish- there aren't very many women that are in any of our lives as men that want to see a mustache in all honesty. There's just, it's not one of those, uh, those desires for my wife would definitely not no, she would but look at me and laugh. The, like You're right. Mustaches were all the rage in the 80s. Obviously, we were just talking about Donnie Baseball having the best mustache on the Yankees back then. But if I just look at pictures of, of my parents from back then, my dad was always rocking the mustache. Yeah, and it was, but it was acceptable. And it was, it was one of those, it was, uh, you know, you look around and you see like three of your buddies also have a mustache. Right? Because now you walk around and you are literally the only guy, unless you live in Brooklyn, lots of mustaches yeah. in Brooklyn. But there's a, you know, you're walking around, not so many people wearing mustaches. You got to have a lot of confidence to get that, to have that mustache and to actually 
you know, wear it with confidence. It to, just to needs like walk to walk around and ha- take yourself seriously. It needs to be thick. Mine is just, it, you know, what? it's actually, it's not that it, this is, <laughs> this is a weird first topic for the show, but it's, it's, it mostly, doesn't need to be. If you're confident in your no. little thin mustache, well, I'm not, your little, I'm not, I'm not if, confident. Well, there in my you go. That's the, it's That's the problem. It's mostly blonde hair on my lip when, it, when the mustache comes in with the rest of the beard, it looks fine. I can grow the neck beard. I can grow the, 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 uh, the chin, the chin. You keep hair. saying neck beard like that's a good thing. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, not saying, thing. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying it grows there. Uh, yeah. How you doing? That's one of the, that's one of the problems. <laughs> then, you, then all of a sudden you have a Twitter account talking about uh, Andrew Luck's Civil War. Have you seen that Twitter account? It's hilarious. Well, do you remember? That's when, one of my favorite Twitter accounts. Do you remember when the Yankees did the mustaches back in like April of 2015? Yeah, we made a T-shirt about it. It was the uh, Bronx. I think I wore it last week, actually, during the show. The Bronx, the Bronx, stash, Bronx but, stash Squad. Everyone, had, uh, everyone with our website, we all grew mustaches. You and I had the mustaches for maybe a week, and I, I had to shave it because I couldn't. I couldn't walk around like that. You got to have a reason. Like to me, nowadays, there's a purpose behind mustache. Like you see them for like the no shave uh, Movember things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's there's usually something behind the mustache. Like guys aren't usually walking around with a mustache because they just want to have a mustache. It's there's something behind it. Usually like if I were to do it for spring training, it would be practical. It would be basically to, as a joke. It wouldn't be dead serious. I would not be walking around with this mustache because I want it on my face. You should. It would be because I'm just doing it to do it. Maybe I will. You're I got a no dad. problem with doing it. You're a dad now. So I think once I think mustaches are completely acceptable once you have a kid. I'm married with a child. Yeah. I have no shame with anything. It doesn't matter anymore. Like every, all that stuff is gone out the window. Like, what are you going to do? Make fun of me? I've already got the child. I've already got a house. I've already got the, the wife. Like, I'm, I'm cemented in here. That's the best when you stop caring about what other, other people think about you. And you can just yeah. give them the middle finger. Screw you. I don't yeah. give a shit. I have a mustache. Yeah, I know it looks bad. But who cares? Yeah. See, I might not even think it looks bad. Maybe I think it looks good and that's okay. Just because some other person doesn't think it looks good on me doesn't mean I don't believe that it looks great. I think it, maybe it'll maybe I will do this and it will look phenomenal, and I will look in the mirror and say, "This is the new Scott." I did that with the beard. Maybe I'll do that with the mustache. Who knows? I promise everyone we're going to get into some Yankees talk before we do that. Though I just want to take a minute to quickly tell you about Sleep Number and Sleep Number. You can sleep better, so you can play better. Uh, you can choose your ideal firmness on each side of the bed, so it's just right for the both of you. If you're buying it for you and your wife, you and your girlfriend, whatever it may be, the new beds are so smart they sense your every move and automatically adjust to you, keeping you sleeping comfortably throughout the night. There's even an adjustment for snoring. Does your bed right now do that? Probably not. The best part about Sleep Number beds is they start at just $899.99, so you can get a great night's sleep for under $900. Um, And next week, there is a big game. I don't know if you heard about that big game, the big football game. In honor of 52 years of football's favorite Sunday, take $52 off any item over $100 from Sleep Number, which, by the way, have you tried their pillows? They are amazing, so you can get $52 off an awesome pillow. Uh, visit sleepnumber.com slash big game to get your $52 coupon now through February 4th. Again, that is sleepnumber.com slash big game. It's funny. Joe's McFly is in the, he's watching us on Facebook right now and talking, saying, don't do it. Don't do it. He's one of the guys that's going to be coming. We're going to talk about the spring training trip in a little bit, but uh, we have a, a good group going and, uh, and Joe is going to be hanging out with us for a couple of games. So maybe Joe, maybe I will do the mustache and make sure that I'm sitting next to you in each one of these games. So that way I'm in all of your, uh, all of your videos and selfies with my stash. 
Yeah, I really want you to have the mustache when we're in Tampa. <laughs> Tampa actually has like a pretty good hipster area. I forget That's the name. Of, I forget the name of that. Uh, oh that, yeah, that Ebor. Yeah, Ebor. You'd fit right in. Ebor City, right? Yeah. Uh, so the Yankees actually made a little bit of of news over the week. Um, they added another hitting coach alongside Marcus Thames, PJ Pilateri. I hope I'm saying his name right. He was the hitting coach for Scranton last year, and as we were looking up, he's been with the Yankees system since he was basically a child because he was drafted by the Yankees back in 2004, played over 400 games in the minor leagues with them, and then when he retired, he immediately went into coaching and worked his way up all the way from uh, low-level A-ball up to Charleston, up to Trenton, uh, and then up to Scranton last year, so he's sort of like a Yankees minor league system lifer. Yeah, that's it's kind of cool, actually, when you realize what his story is and how long he's been with the Yankees. Uh, well, I didn't realize that once they hired him, but and obviously sort of looking into him and finding out more about him. I, I like the fact that um, that Aaron Boone made this move, actually. I think it's a very small move, one that will basically get unnoticed. Uh, but but to me, when you're coming in with a new coaching staff like Boone is, um, having some semblance of continuity, I think, is important to transition. They're doing that with Larry Rothschild with the pitching. I think that's a, a I mean, that was a brass move. But um, the fact that Boone's bringing him in to, to be with uh, Marcus Timms, who's also a guy from the system, I think is a smart move. I mean, you see that uh, that he's moved up in the system from he was in Tampa and Charleston and Trenton and Scranton last year. So he knows these guys. He's he's been with a lot of the guys that are in the major leagues right now yeah. and in the minors. So there is a relationship there. There's a familiarity there. I think Clint Frazier um, even was talking about him as well, saying that he credits him with uh, with helping his swing out last year. So I think this is one of those moves while people are like, ah, oh, it's a hidden coach, whatever. I, you know, I, I think having a, a couple set of eyes and knowing that this guy knows these uh, the 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 batters from the minor leagues is a good thing. The hidden coach is always. Funny hitting coach, pitching coach. People only they never really praise them. They only bitch about them. You remember the whole fire Kevin Long uh, epidemic back in like 2013 when the Yankees could not get a hit with runners in scoring position, as if yeah. it was Kevin Long up there striking out with first and third. It's like you can only do so much as a hitting coach. And last year we saw a lot of the young Yankee hitters have a tremendous season. The Yankees offense overall was second in baseball and runs scored. Did anyone was anyone sitting there praising the hitting coaches? No, but. They deserve some credit for for the steps that the the Yankees hitters took. And Thames has been with the system for a long time, working with these young players. Pilateri, as we just said, has been been there too. So these guys deserve some credit for how the young hitters have developed. No, absolutely. It's kind of like when you see a bunch of hamstring injuries, you start blaming the trainer. Like, fire that guy. He's terrible. These guys don't stretch out enough. They don't work their hamstrings enough at some point and that's the trainer well see I, I can actually get behind blaming a trainer for a lot of injuries more than i can blame hitting coaches for if a guy's in a slump i, I guess it's just it's one of those it's it's always when things are bad you're looking for someone to blame yeah. and it's you know if you can't look at the player and blame that person then you're looking for the next best thing and that's the the, the coach of that specific uh either job or or, or task but um, you know, I, I think it's a good thing because, you know, he's seen these guys all slump, right? He's seen them do well throughout the system. He's seen their progression, I think, from lower levels in the minor leagues. And now with the, you know, the major leagues, obviously, he I'm sure he's seen, you know, what they did last year. And then he can look at tape of all the, you know, the different progressions they've made with their swings um, going into last year. So I, I think it's a solid move. And again, this is one of those things that's probably not going to get talked about very often. It'll go under the radar, but it's a continuity move, which I think is a very good thing by Aaron Boone. To me, it, it means that, you know, he he definitely understands the the um, importance of having guys who know 
the players and, and are, are familiar with the players. I think that is a, a very positive thing. It keeps the clubhouse and the dugout loose um, when you are familiar with the guy. And obviously he's a well-liked guy because they, it's not like Boone would bring this guy in if he wasn't a very well-liked guy. You know what I mean? So to me, he's, he's like the minor, you know, we were both calling for Pedrique to get a, uh, an interview in the off season. Yep. And this was the reason, you know, for that continuity. Like he obviously is a liked guy. This is like a small little, uh, Small little minor Padrique move almost, like the it's the B move. Yeah, and the guys he's been working with, uh, the Yankee system, this week, Baseball America and MLB Pipeline and um, ESPN, they all released their top 100 prospects list. The Yankees had six guys on the list. Gla- uh, Glaber Torres, number six. Esteban Floreal, number 38, who rose the most uh, from 17 to 18. He wasn't even on the list last year, and he jumped up to number 38, which is why... Everyone's been talking about Florial. It's also why the Yankees felt comfortable trading Blake Rutherford because they had Florial, who wasn't on that list, wasn't on that list. Who Rutherford wasn't on the list, but he was right, last that's year. What I'm saying, yeah, yes. So he dropped off the list. I mean, who knows why that is? Um, obviously, the White Sox still think Rutherford's going to be a good player, but um, Justice Sheffield, number four, uh, forty-one, he's third among left-handed pitching prospects. Miguel Anduar, number fifty-nine, is third among third-base prospects. And Cashman actually had something interesting to say about Anduar. Uh, he was quoted, the bat is not a question mark. It's just, is he finished off defensively yet? He's very exciting talent, one that is being insisted upon, it seems like, in every conversation I'm having with anything high-end out there. So obviously Anduar has the hitting talent, which we know. But even Cashman's saying, we're not sure about his glove yet. Which is why I still think there is something else is going to happen in the infield. Because I don't know, even if Anduar goes into spring training, I still think, I don't know if that's going to give them like proof. Like if Anduar plays well defensively in spring training, is that enough for them to see? Like, here you go, kid. Here's the opening day third base job. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I still think, I agree. I think, I still think Anduar is going to be in the minors to start the season and I'm still doubling down. I, I still think Todd Frazier's coming back. I mean, he, yeah. you're, see, you're seeing that he hasn't signed. You're, I don't know how much real interest there has been in him. You keep hearing rumors about um, the Mets, and then you're, you're, you're talking about the Mets also with a one-year deal, and we talked about this one last year, week. One-year, $10 like, million deal the, is the rumor okay, from that, the Mets. Okay, that makes no sense for you to go to the Mets for that no. same deal when you could get that from the Yankees. And I uh, I, I think they're still talking, and I, look, I, I think that's going to happen eventually. To me, it's almost like the Yankees learned a lesson, I think, last year when they were so thin at first base and they just started trotting out all these random people at first base. Yeah. And, and, um, and I don't think they want to go in through that again. You know, I, I think third base is one of those positions that, that maybe, you know, it's not as deep in the organization uh, unless you're putting Glaber Torres at third base, which doesn't seem like it's the, it's the, the route any longer. Well, so then you, then you've got a problem at second base. Right, but I think second base... Well, you have guys who can slot in at second base. I think second base is an easier spot to fill within the system right now. Because you've got third bases. Ronald Torres. Tyler Wade, Tyler Torres. Wade. Yeah. You do have guys that can that can get in there and slot in. And the, the guy that we picked up from uh, from uh, the Braves, the... Yeah, sorry, I can't even remember I, his name. I can't remember his name either because he's not important. Uh, well, the, Morosi reported this week from his sources that the Yankees want to earmark about 10 million bucks for in-season additions, 
which is what we've said all along. If the tax threshold is $197 million, they don't want to go into the season at $196.5 million because then at the trade deadline, they're screwed. Their hands are tied behind their back. So they want to go like 185, 187 million bucks to start the season. So then they can add and like, look what they did last year when they brought in all those guys from the White Sox. So that means they only have like eight to $10 million to spend between now and opening day. And if Todd Frazier is out there getting a one million, uh, one year, ten million dollar offer from the Mets, if I'm Brian Cashman, I'm like, hey Todd, we'll give you that same deal. Come back, give us some hey, insurance. Todd, really, really, yeah, really. You're gonna go to I mean, you're gonna go to on. Queens. Like, first of all, it's a longer drive from Tom's River. Second of all, that ballpark is massive. And uh, third the, of all, it's the Mets. The Mets have bad luck with their third baseman. David Wright's still under contract for like another seventy seven years. Yeah, do you know how old David Wright is? Guess. He's 34. I think he's like 35. I, I would have yeah. I would have guessed he's 40. Uh, I, I knew he was a couple years been around forever. Me. But he's yeah. So obviously the Mets need need a third baseman. To, but if I'm Todd Frazier and there's no multi year offer out there for me, I don't even care if it's a couple million bucks less from the Yankees. Get me on a team that has a chance to win the World Series where I can put up some serious offensive numbers and then maybe sign a two year deal after that. Yeah, the nice thing about him too is is um, uh, it gives the Yankees flexibility with uh, with position because he, you know if you if you follow what they're talking about for Todd Frazier and the free agency, some teams are looking at him as also a first baseman. Some teams are looking at him as kind of a, a guy that can go back and forth. I mean, he talked about it last year how he could play in the, in the outfield if he wanted to. Yeah, he was he willing he to the, do anything when he came over to the Yankees. Yeah, he has the ability to do this. Like he's a, he's a bigger guy than I think a lot of people think of. When you see him, he looks like kind of like a like a skinny like you know little white boy from next door like. He doesn't look like a, a serious athlete. Well, but do you remember his look quote? Look at his number. He's like 6'3", like he, two, what, what is he, 200 pounds? Like he's a solid dude. Do you remember his quote when he came over in midseason? He's like, I've always been the big guy in the clubhouse. And then I'm standing yeah. next to Gary, uh, Gary Sanchez and Aaron Judge and Dylan Batances and I feel dwarfed. But whenever I thought of Todd Frazier before last year, I never, I didn't realize that he was 6'3". Six, six, I didn't think he was as big of a guy I mean, as he is, honestly. But, so what are, what are you saying? That like he, it's not easy for him to... Move no, over. what I'm saying is, is I think it's no. He's got the uh, the physical tools to go over and play yeah. first base as well. I think he's a big dude, um, and he's just he's a more when you when you realize that he's as big as he is, you realize how athletic he is. Because sure. to me, when I'm looking at him, kind of like Judge, if you didn't know how big Judge was and you were standing far away and you saw how he moved, you think that guy was like six four, you know, six five maybe, but because like, he he runs like a guy that's not six seven. He he moves like a guy who's a lot smaller than he is mm. because of the athleticism. And to me, Frazier was that kind of guy. Like I always thought he was around six foot. I like um, Frazier. The thing I liked best about Todd Frazier was his defense. I thought his yeah. defense at third base, it was an upgrade over Headley, but I thought it was he gave them a lot of stability defensively. Um, I don't know what he would be first as a first baseman, but I, Greg Bird, hopefully, knock on wood, crossing my fingers, is going to be healthy. But if he's not, at least Todd Frazier could give you average level defense like Headley did at first base. Yeah, and I think it would even be better than that. You're looking at a guy coming over from third base to first. Like to me, that's one of the easier transitions, as far as uh, you know, fielding the ball. Yes, you have to realize the positioning and, and you know where you are on the I field and do you all saw that. Saw a rod. Yeah, see, a rod's such a a rod's such a but a rod talking about he is such a unique individual. talking about physical tools. No one is more toolsy than Alex Rodriguez. I guess. I know he's he was still, at the back he's end. Still of kind his of career. robotic, and he still does the dumb like. I just can't stand his mannerisms. And those, like, it just bothers me thinking about it right now. And the mannerisms, they don't translate to first base and like quick feet in that sense. 
it's different. I don't know how I can describe it because at that point in his career, he was just, uh, he was the guy that was like so light, like bouncing on his toes. And he just wasn't the same guy he was early in his career when he was a shortstop. Of course not. Uh, Chris uh, Cretoro in the chat just said he never held his breath when Todd Frazier threw the ball across the diamond. Right. And we were always holding our breath. Chase Headley would make a beautiful diving play and yes. then he'd airmail the ball into the dugout. And you're like, what the hell, Chase? But Todd Frazier never had to worry about that. No, and, and tr- uh, Chase Headley would also make a routine ball and then airmail it. Right. Throwing was definitely his issue. I mean, he had that over-the-top throwing motion that was yeah. just very strange for a third baseman. Usually you're seeing those guys you know, throw at three-quarters or just have the ability to throw at different levels with their arm. Chase Headley was like, he, had, he looked like a windmill. It was so weird looking at him throw. Uh, so also on that top 100 list is Albert Abreu at 77 and Chance Adams at 81. So the Yankees have a nice mix of hitting and pitching prospects on the on their top 100, but their system is deep and they have the ability this year, next year, whatever it may be, to if they need to trade some of those prospects, they're not going to deplete their system because they, they they still are one of the best farm systems in the league. They're no longer the best. Maybe they were the best uh, at the beginning of last year, number one or number two. Uh, the Braves right now have the most top 100 prospects with eight, but the Yankees have six, so they're in the top five. Uh, and if you compare that to like the Red Sox, who have two, you can thank uh, Dave Dombrowski for just unloading all the prospects in that system. The Yankees are in a pretty nice spot. It's really interesting too when you look up and down this this list and you see who where the guys are that the Yankees traded. Like we were talking about Rutherford, um, you know he's dropped, uh, Caprillion has dropped, uh, and then Mateo is in there, but he's not the prospect that you know they thought he was at, at some point. So, you know the fact that they still have six guys and that there are, are a few guys that are moving up and weren't in the rankings for last year really says a lot in the way what Cashman has done to bring in guys that can help now and into the future, but also offload guys. Uh, that that maybe he he saw as overachieving at a young and people you know seeing where their abilities were were actually a little higher than where he had them slotted long term, so you know that's it's I, I think one of the, one of those things is uh, it goes overlooked when you see where the guys are that were traded away and I know Caprillion's coming off of an injury so that pro- you know probably has a, a ton to do with it, but at the same time you know he traded uh, he traded two guys for a. a, a you know, arguably number one pitcher that were injured. Yeah. And, you know, I, Dustin Fowler is still on the list, but... Well, actually, if you look at the uh, Oakland A's pipeline, all three of those guys, Fowler, um, Mateo, and Caprillion are in their top 10. Yeah. So that tells no, you I know. They, the state of what became, the Oakland system was before that trade. Which is sad because they should have a very, very high list considering where Billy they Bean, have the, been the genius, in a long time. The, ge- the genius Billy Andrew Bean. Andrew Boy Billy Bean, who's a Hall of Famer, should have at least 15 people on this list. I agree. He should have 15 top 10 guys. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> uh, and the list also doesn't include Clint Frazier, who, uh, if he was still a prospect, would be in that top 100. I still consider Frazier as a prospect, even though he's no longer Me technically too. a prospect. I do too. I mean, the you know he, he had time up. But it was it was time that the Yankees were kind of forced to bring him up at that point. Um, and when you're thinking about him as as far as the development player, uh, you know he's still he's still in that stage of developing. He's not a guy that's uh, fully ready to go. I don't think. I think he's very close. I do think he's very close. Uh, but I still I consider him a prospect for, for sure. So if we believe Morosi's report that the Yankees want to be ten million dollars under the cap. I really don't think they have room to sign you, Darvish, or, or someone else like that. Because unless they're offloading Ellsbury's contract, which seems impossible, or if they're trading away David Robertson's money, there's no way they can just make the numbers work. 
No, and I think that goes back to when Cashman was talking about flexibility to add flexibility. So if they did see something come across their window or, or across their uh, their desk that was almost too good to pass up, then they have the ability to to go out and make a couple moves to to free up some some room to do that. So I don't think it's out of the question because I don't think they're really when they're talking about the money that they want to spend. I don't think it's in correlation to you know the the flexibility moves because those flexibility moves are are not definitive moves that are going to happen, but. But it seems to me that Cashman has, uh, you know, wiggle room if if something were to come across, so that he could make a deal. But again, not in the plans right now. But if something crazy were to come about, he could make the move if he wanted to. Yeah. And I like that. He's he's just he's got all this flexibility and he's leaving himself room. And that's what you want in a GM. You want him to be able to pivot if if need be, or if something comes across your desk that's insanely good, like this Giancarlo Stanton thing. Have the ability to make that move because if you're not in a position to make a move that is so great. For your system, if you're already handcuffed, you know that says a lot about how you're managing your your roster and your cap. And to me, he's got full control on what he's doing right now. Well, even though their goal is to be under the tax threshold, I still am thinking that Steinbrenner is not a guy that's going to say no to Cashman. If Cashman is is going to him and saying this move is going to make us a World Series favorite or a World Series, we're going to you know put us over the top to make a World Series. I, I just don't see Steinbrenner saying no to that. The, the thing the thing that's different right now to me is that there are so many there are you know three or four other teams right now that you cannot say that you're definitively better than even if you add you Darvish I don't think you're you can go in there and say we are the definitive World Series favorites at no. this point and because of that Brian Cashman is not going to mortgage the future you know going out and getting someone massive. Um, that's a different the, the story. 2019 class. I'm talking well, about more in July. If there's a guy that they can acquire, well, who knows where the yeah, team? But then you're looking at July. a half. Then you're looking at a half season, and obviously it's going to have to have future ramifications yeah. long term with the team. They're going to have to be someone who stays on the team. I just don't see them. They they know that they can right now. Right now with the current roster, they can compete for a World Series right now. Right now. So you're telling me that one more guy is going to put them that much closer to. I just don't know about that. And who knows, the and who knows where the we are in the You're right. You don't know where we are yeah. mid-season. But at the same time, I don't think he's going to make a knee-jerk reaction like that. There has to be a plan that you stick to. If you're not if you're not you know confident in your plan, to me at that point and you and you start panicking and you start saying, "Oh, we need to add this guy right now." Then you don't have a, a very good plan. And 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 we've seen all along this entire time. Cashman is sticking to the plan. The Yankees brass is sticking to their plan. So I got I got nothing to lead me to down the road of, of that that's saying Cashman's going to deviate from said plan. And his plan is let's wait out these free agents who there's a ton of them still out there. Lorenzo Cain just got signed. He signed the biggest contract of the offseason. I thought maybe that might be a domino that would start a chain reaction. Hasn't yet. Uh, Milwaukee made those big moves to get Kane on that five-year deal, and then they traded for Christian Yelich. So they're, they're seriously going for it, which that also – puts them in the U Darvish conversation, the Jake Arrieta conversation, because why go out and sign Kane to $80 million, trade a, a boatload of prospects for Yelich, and build this super outfield if we're not going to go add a pitcher? Milwaukee's now, I think, in a position where they have to go sign a pitcher, or else what, yeah, the, I, what the hell are we I doing? Agree. Right, right. Yeah, you can't, you can't go halfway in. You gotta, if, you're, if you're doing this, you can't just dip your toe in. you got to go all the way in. And yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think this is leading them down the road of, of signing one, at least one of these guys. Um, it doesn't make sense otherwise. Their their pitching staff is not ready to compete with uh, with you know the best in the National League right now. I mean it's it's not bad. They had some guys take you know steps. There were a couple of injuries on their team last year too, uh, in their pitching staff. But 
they got to go out and make that move. I mean, to me, you're doing that, and then your fan base is looking around and like, okay, it's clear what we need right now. Yeah. There are two guys sitting here. It's very clear what we need. Why would you do these moves if you didn't do that that third move? Um, so uh, I think that's that's what's happening, and I think it's going to get too rich for Ryan Cashman when you're talking about Darvish or any of these other guys. Is it, and, though? And because the reason. they're still out there, and there, there's so many free agents out there that there's talk of them doing their own spring training camp because there's so many guys that are looking for jobs that they don't want to wait. They, they, need, to be start, they need to start uh, spring training. If it gets to be February, mid-February, when normally pitchers and catchers report and the position players are coming in, I think it's like 10 or 12 days after normally pitchers and catchers, and there's 15 major, actually more than 15, but 15 mega free agents out there like you, Darvish and Arietta, all these guys, they might start their own spring training camp, which hasn't happened since the mid-90s after the strike, which would be I hope that does happen. That would be fascinating. Amazing. It would be fascinating, yes, it would be. wouldn't it? Actually, I yeah. would love... I would love for MLB Network or, or somebody to do a documentary about that. Like sort of like the NFL training camp, the uh, Hard Knocks yeah. with HBO. Like put a camera in that spring training. I want to see what that's like. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. It would be interesting to, to see also who they come in, who comes in to kind of lead that crew. Like you got to have some kind of a, a coaching staff as well. Who's that? Who's the ragtag coaching staff that's coming in? Joe Girardi. A bunch of guys that got fired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's going to be like Dusty Baker, Joe Girardi, all these guys that <laughs> – are, uh, are are gone, but no, that would be very interesting to watch. Alex the reason Rodriguez. I say that Alex Rodriguez could be could be the first time manager job, just proven that he's doing this. Like, look, this is what I can do. Um, but the reason I said that that uh, I think that it's going to get too rich for their blood at some point for Darvish at least, because to me now Milwaukee, like we said, like they've gone all in with these with the outfield. They're in a position of of weakness when you're talking about negotiating with a starting pitcher because it's so very obvious what they need. And starting pitching is the number one glaring issue. And when you have a guy like Darvish and Arietta right there, you know, who's who's in control at this point? You need a pitcher. I'm the best pitcher. Pay me my money. Pay me what I ask. It's actually pretty fascinating to hear who the contenders for you, Darvish, are like Minnesota, Texas, Milwaukee. Like These are not teams you'd normally think would be in on the, the number one free agent pitcher. Well, I don't think he's getting that money. I think that money is, uh, you know, Brian Cash was trying to get the the deal of a lifetime with you, Darvish. He's that's because he's seeing what's happening. You Darvish is going to pay de- Brian Cashman to let him play for the Yankees. At some point, that's what's going to be. <laughs> he's like on Twitter saying, "Brian Cashman, please sign me." The um, but it's you know they're they're at a position where it's not what I think they thought they were going to get going into spring training, obviously. But who's going to pay you the most money? It's those teams that need you, you're right? And the Yankees don't need them right now. Well, if you're Minnesota's you're on the cusp, they think they're they think they're they're able to compete, especially in that in that division. They they can definitely compete. If you're you Darvish at this point though, and Milwaukee's offering you a five year deal for a hundred million dollars, or the Yankees are offering you a four year deal for eighty million dollars, what are you doing? I mean, I'm obviously I'm taking the Yankees deal if that's the. That's what I want. It depends on these opt-outs and all, you know, what's attached to that. Right, but if the but money is close enough, likes- if the money's close enough and he's like, do I really want to go pitch in Minnesota? Do I really want to go pitch in uh, in Milwaukee where Milwaukee yeah, might have the best outfield now? I don't know. That's up to, that's up for debate because Kane's... They have a good young team. I mean, they have a good team right now. Yeah, but uh, their pitching staff is not... No. Like you said. Well, it, he would be the leader. He would be he the would leader. Be, mm-hmm. So maybe that's would, It kind of reminds me what, like... Um, Granky did when he signed in Arizona. I was like, "What the Granky? What the hell are you doing going to Arizona? Like you had a a nice cushy situation in um in Los Angeles where Kershaw was the guy and Granky could be a Cy Young caliber pitcher as the number two. Then he goes over to Arizona and he's not the same guy. Granky might be me- mentally weak. We don't know if Darvish is mentally weak, 
But uh, as long as he's not tipping his mentally pitches. Mentally weak. Yeah, as long as you, that's isn't that a mental weakness? The fact that you don't realize yeah. you're tip, you're tipping your pitches to me that's a a sign of mental weakness. I agree. Yeah, so he's mentally weak. Let's. I don't want to sign him. Can we just? Can we uh, put the kibosh on? Uh, well, like on you said, Darvish at this point. I think you said it perfectly. If you sign you Darvish, are the Yankees all of a sudden more favorites than the Astros? I don't know. Did you Darvish do really well in the in the postseason? Not so much. There's not very many things that can lead you down the path saying that. Yep, we are that much better having you Darvish pitch in the World Series or the ALCS than insert pitcher name. Right. Because uh, the Yankees have are deep when it comes to a, a rotation in well, the playoffs. Speaking of the rotation, our number five starter, CC Sabathia, is reportedly going vegan this offseason, which concerns the shit out of me. That might be the most concerning report that I've had that I've seen this offseason. Because remember the last time Sabathia lost a ton of weight? He sucked yeah. the next year. Fat CC yeah. is better than skinny CC. I know health wise, maybe he just wants to lose weight so he can live longer. How about you pitch well in twenty eighteen? <laughs> Big fella, don't live longer. Don't live longer. Just pitch well next year. I'm only kidding. Sabathia, no, this is something that he's done in the off seasons before. Yeah. You know, he's 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 kind of what I see. To me, what this is, is this is more just like CC trying to manage his off season weight so he doesn't get like way too fat. Well, that's the thing. In, you in have season, to have to... he's eating Captain Crunch, hanging out, doing things well, like Captain no Crunch problem. is vegan. That's true. That's, I don't know what kind of like animal fats are in Captain Crunch, but the. Uh, the the um having yeah, milk like is that considered vegan i don't know is milk okay i don't know i don't know but you know when you have when you're in season and you're on so. the I road think, I you can have any animal products no animal products not even milk it's like a okay yeah vegans um, are weird sorry if any vegans are listening you people are weird <laughs> the the um cc going off season that's me like his wife's got more of an influence at that point like he's just trying to appease people you know what i mean like in season He's going for the steak. He's going well, he for, you know, he's going to go out and he's going to hang out. He said that on, I was listening to the R2C2 podcast and Ruko asked him, like, are you going to be vegan the whole offseason? He's like, I don't think so. I go to Kansas City. I need that barbecue. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So that, I have zero worries about that. I feel like it was just, you know, just something uh, talked about because that's what he does in the offseason a little bit. A little less meat in the offseason isn't the worst thing in the world. I, meat's not bad for you. It's Captain, for Captain Crunch is bad for you. <laughs> I don't think he has control, okay? I think he has a control problem. It's not that's so much as what he eats. Yeah. It's We've the control that. of what he eats. That's what we learned that's when true. he went to alcohol rehab. Yeah. Is that He's he got said, an addictive I don't, personality. I don't, I don't have self-control. So. Right. Uh, someone in the comments mentioned that Prince Fielder went vegan, and, and Prince Fielder didn't lose any weight. He was still fat. It, I mean, he was, he was a great hitter. He was a f- big, fat vegan, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> how, are you, how are you a big, fat vegan? Because you can eat I Captain guess, Crunch. And a lot of sugar. Yeah, it's all sugar and, and bread products. That's not healthy for you. I mean, you can be a healthy vegan if you're eating a bunch of plants and all that kind of stuff. But when you're a professional athlete, you need food. You need you need a lot Didn't of Tom calories. Brady, isn't that what Tom Brady did? Didn't no. Tom Brady like cut out no. all that crap? Tom Brady cut out a bunch of different inflammatory foods. Um, but he's, he's not vegan. Okay, that's enough Tom Brady talk. No, we got more later coming up in this, uh, in this podcast. Ugh. <laughs> your boy A-Rod's going to be Sunday Night Baseball host, uh, which I actually love. I'm so pumped about this because Sunday Night Baseball broadcast the last few years has been horrible. They had um, – um, who was the guy before – so Vaskurgeon and A-Rod are coming in to join Jessica yeah. Mendoza. Who was the play-by-play guy? Uh, I'm, did we write it down? I'm drawing I'm blanking blank. on it. No, I'm blanking on who it was too. If yeah. you're in the comments, he was the, the guy from – he, he was, I think, the Toronto play-by-play guy, right? 
Yeah, I could see his face. I can't think yeah. of his name. He was terrible. He, doesn't and he look like John Smoltz? Kind of, yeah. Yeah. He was with Boone. Boone was okay. Um, Jessica Mendoza. I just didn't like the dynamic. It was it was like they were trying to joke too much, and they just there was no chemistry there. And then I haven't enjoyed a Sunday Night Baseball broadcast since it was Joe Miller and John Morgan. I thought those guys, that was that was Sunday Night Baseball to me. It was probably because that was when I was like 10 years old. And every Sunday night, it didn't matter who was playing. It could be the Cardinals versus the Cubs, Yankees, Red Sox. I was watching Sunday Night Baseball. Yeah. I don't watch Sunday Night Baseball anymore unless it's the Yankees. Right. Well, that's because we're exhausted. But the, uh, the, the, the look, I, I liked, I was a, a big fan of Morgan and Miller. Like those guys are... I, I like classic uh, baseball anal- uh, announcers in a lot of the, the different situations. The one person I didn't mind, though, and I think a lot of people didn't like her, was Mendoza. I, I thought she was good. I thought she actually brought value. Well, she's staying. Um, and she is staying, I know. But I thought there was a – I thought she was actually pretty good. I, I, I did I did kind of like what um, the dynamic she brought to the booth. But having A-Rod in there is now is – it's just, you know – So here's it's the thing. Really wor- it's worrying me. Honestly, if I'm being truly honest, why? it's making me very worried. A-Rod, A-Rod's Be- a good – I don't know why you, you won't – your hatred for A-Rod won't let you admit that he's actually a good baseball analyst. No, I know – I think he knows a lot about baseball. I think he – I think he's very knowledgeable. I think he's a very smart guy when it comes to baseball. I don't like the way he – delivers it i don't like how robotic he is i don't like how stupid cheesy smiles come on his face all the time that are like that's him though they're like in his nose they're like in his notes it says like pull out stuff smile pull out stuff smile yes i think it's like come on on the cue cards if you could see behind the camera the cue cards are telling a rod to smile i I agree with that but i think he's i can't get past that but i'll tell you why i'm worried i'm worried because this is the exactly. second time now he yeah. is coming in and filling Aaron Boone's yeah. position. It's weird. What happens? Everything happens in threes. So this is basically leading down the road. And there's also been talks this week about what's the relationship with, uh, with A-Rod and the Yankees system. Like, they're still talking about this. They're still talking about how these, he's still talking to Steinbrenner in the back and like he's in a good spot with the Yankees system. Like, why are we talking about that still? We, we know where he is. It's very, uh, it's very worrisome to me that in 10 years or less – A-Rod's going to be the manager of the Yankees, <laughs> and I'm not going to be able to handle it. <laughs> Dan Shulman, someone in the comments, I didn't see who commented. It was Dan Shulman was the broadcast guy. Here's why A-Rod wants to keep the conversations with the Yankees going, because A-Rod, if you haven't noticed, is building an A-Rod brand. The A-Rod yes. Corp, A-Rod brand is now Fly fishing. what he's doing, and a, a relationship with the Yankees helps that A-Rod brand. I know it does. It, it makes him because because he made his eroticence with the Yankees, right? Ooh, I mean, yeah. like he was a he he went down to the to the the flames of hell and he he rose like the the phoenix out of the ashes and eroticence and was like a likable guy for uh, you know half of a year and then he became this guy that people almost felt sorry for because he was not performing. He wasn't a rod any longer, and the Yankees basically dismissed him and threw him away. And now he's this guy coming back and. I can't handle it. The narrative is pissing me off just saying it because it's 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 setting up. It's like erasing all the nonsense and bullshit that he did before. He's still that guy. I'm excited for the uh, whatever. Maybe he's going to be the manager in ten years. I hope not. I still don't think he wants to do that. I think that's too much too much day to day stuff for a Rod. Uh, but Vascurgeon, a Rod Mendoza. I'm more excited about that Sunday night baseball booth than than before. I think Vascurgeon's great. He was great in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. So if you can get some some chemistry going, and A Rod's still going to be on Fox for the for the playoffs, so he's double dipping his toes in Fox and ESPN. The problem is you're talking about chemistry and A Rod. That doesn't. That's not. That's not a thing. 
There's no chemistry with A Rod on a set. On a on a set, he just says what he's supposed to say. That that goes everything away from A Rod is like the uh, he's like the complete opposite of having chemistry. He's, <laughs> he's a robot. Yeah, well, we'll see. And um, we actually got uh, next thing I want to do is I want to talk about uh, John Carlos Stanton home run calls. We got a bunch of submissions for Twitter. Scott and I are going to try and do it in our best John Sterling voices. So are you ready for this? Okay. Yeah, I haven't even read all of these yet, so no, I'm going so off, the, be fun. off the cuff. The first one, I'll go first. Uh, the first right. one is from uh, Christopher Neville, at uh, CNEV Yankee. It is high. It is far. It is gone, Carlo. Oh, and the fans give him a Stanton ovation. That's not bad. It's not bad. All right, next one is from uh, J.D. Duckett. Is that Johnny Duckett's? He goes, it is high, it is far low, it is Goncarlo. So the one thing right. I've noticed about what people realize with John Sterling, he loves to rhyme. Yes. There, there has to be some kind of a, a, a rhyme or just a, a pun of, of the words. Or, it has to be. If it or a happen, reference from like 55 years ago. That nobody gets. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, ben Rivera at Yankee88063. Giancarlo sent it to Monte Carlo. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where we. I don't are know about that. that one. This this next one from Corey Taylor. I'm Corey. I'm already putting the the kibosh on this one because it's uh, it's already been done. I think mm-hmm. totally. It's almost many exactly times. many times. Cor- uh, so Corey Taylor says uh, at Corey Taylor seven three three eight, um, and his is the Giambino, and that's that just can't happen. It's too close because we had the Giambino for Giambi, and we had the Bam Tino yeah. for Tino. So maybe because he's done it multiple times that he will do it. Maybe we're maybe well, we're going too far with that, and maybe it's so very in your face and obvious that that is going to be it. He was on FAN earlier this week, and he said that he already has his home run call for Stanton, and it's something that people are not going to expect. So I don't think Ooh. it's a it, a Bambino reference. Look at John with the teaser. <laughs> All right, next one, Devin Thomas at DT two five two two. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. Giancarlo Stanton into the left field seats. It's Stanton room only. It's a little too wordy, I think. Uh, I like the Stanton room only, though. I do like Stanton room only. And in left field seats, so that's something. I wonder if they're going to put something in left field, by the way. Like, we have the judges' chambers in right field. They have to put something up for Stanton, don't they? No. On the other side? You can't. God, I hope yeah, not. You say, I, you say they can't. I hope not. Enough, 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 Yankees. Like, people, the ballpark is going to be... So this is why they did it last year is because they didn't think the team was going to make it to Game 7 of the ALCS. And, and, and they now we're going to get, all gimmick. They needed to get gimmicky and get asses in seats. It doesn't matter. Next year, the place is going to be sold out every night. It's still good. It's going to happen. How they get... You know, they, and they have like the, the two big guys. You got one on right field, one on left field. Mm-hmm. It's perfect, right? You're going to put it in, uh, in left field. All right, the next one is... From I lost my 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 uh, from Mike E. Okay, Mike E's at Puppinator Pup. Uh, I got to read this first before I say it. Okay, <laughs> Stan hits a very decent home run, and I liked it. Now we will run in a in a circle counterclockwise. What the? No, that's not going to happen, Mike. It's getting very literal. Yeah, uh, that's not happening. Uh, Andrew White, I like this one. What a White says, he is the Stanton of SWAT. That's not bad. That's not bad. Uh, next one is from Mark Rothman at Mark Rothman. Stanton hits one to Manhattan. See, it's like 
It's you look at it and it rhyming. might rhyme, but it doesn't really when you say it. You got to say it like Manhattan, like Stanton, you gotta like Manhattan, Manhattan. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> you gotta, that's like a that's like a Scranton. See, I, yeah, I can't see. I can't see uh, Sterling with that with that Bronx flair on it. I, I just can't see him. He's too. He's too polished. Uh, Yanaw at Harris uh, at Harz twenty one. A mic drop from Giancarlo. So getting a little meta there with the fact that he used to be called Mike Stan. He dropped the mic and he's now Giancarlo. So I like that. I like that. It might be a little too modern for for Sterling with the whole mic drop thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's, he's he's in that. I don't know if I could ever hear John Sterling say mic drop. I just I don't think it's in his um in his phrase vocabulary. Probably not. The next one is from Peter with a really long uh, Peter. Why did you do this to me? <laughs> Peter two four two one zero two seven five sounds like a prison number. Um, he says. Stanton leaves them panting. See again, these are these are like close but not good rhymes. We got to rhyme better, fellas. Uh, Bronx bombers beat at bombers beat. Stanton like my daddy. Okay, and the last one from Peter again, same one two four two. Oh, I didn't even realize one, zero, that two seven five. Yeah, is uh, Susan? What just happened? That might no. be actually what happens. So I kind of well, like that. The fact that he didn't see it. Yeah, happens just too confused. Fast we don't have a monitor. Where's the monitor? Where did that go? I can't <laughs> see that. Was that foul? Uh, uh, John, it was a foul ball. Uh, right back to us. I caught it. it, it may, that might be part of the, the home run call on, on top of it. Thanks, everyone, who submitted those, uh, those Stanton home run calls, and hopefully we didn't uh, make fools of ourselves right there. Hold on. We got a couple of them from the comments. I got to read one at least, or two of them. Let's do two. Uh, Joe says, it is high, it is far, it is gone, Stanton, hits one to Scranton. And then the next one is from Patrick Lyons. <laughs> Giancarlo, the ball has gone far, yo. <laughs> okay, I could do this all day. <laughs> all right, we got uh, we, you want to tell people about uh, how they can get some tickets to some games this year? Yes, I do. So if you're buying tickets to sports and concerts, it can be complicated and confusing. People are asking about this in our Facebook group, but there's a better way to do it with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets for every type of event, whether you're searching for the last minute deal, planning a night out, or need to fill, find that perfect gift. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. I use it when I'm looking for concert tickets, when I'm looking for baseball tickets. Not a Yankee Stadium, but you can use it at Yankee Stadium as well. It's very good for finding Yankee seats. I can be anywhere. I can just, with a few taps, I find it. Uh, I find the seats immediately, very fast. I actually used SeatGeek to buy tickets for one of the games last year. Good deal, and they got to me very fast. SeatGeek is designated to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. It saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. Make SeatGeek your go-to app to find the best deals of every type of ticket. Best of all, listeners get $20 off the SeatGeek purchase of the Bronx Pinstripe Show. $20 off. Just download the SeatGeek app, enter promo code BRONX today. That's promo code BRONX. Gets you $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Great. So we've got some some plans that have materialized for the spring training trip. It was sort of a last minute throw together. We didn't think that we were going to be doing any uh, group ticket packages because we were we wanted to go to spring training where we were just going to meet up with people casually. But there was enough interest where on that Saturday game, March 24th, we're going to have a group of over 30 people at the game. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that happened out of nowhere, actually. We had talked about it, like, we're not going to do it. And then people were like, well, hey, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. And then I got an email from the Yankees saying, hey, we got a deal. 
uh, you could get this if you have X amount of people. And that's how it just materialized into uh, about 30 people. I think we have 32 tickets. So that'll be fun. It'll be um, very last minute, 30, 30 people going to Tampa. I love it. it there's uh, some local guys, some, uh, some people who are, um, some people who are going to be coming down from New York, people from Pennsylvania. So I love it. It's going to be a lot of fun. And that will be for the Saturday game. If you are at that game, um, and you don't have tickets with us, definitely hit us up. We'll, we'll all be hanging out. Um, we'll be at the club level for those seats, but I'm sure we'll be walking around as well. Um, Andrew and I will also be at the, what's that? I was going to say also, if you want tickets to that game, we have four, uh, uh, standing room tickets that gets you into the stadium and a free beer with your ticket that, uh, DM us if you, if you want to buy the tickets, because we, yeah, we do have some extra, we have some extra tickets. So definitely hit us up um, if you are looking for that. And that gets you a beer and standing room only. And they're, they're a little bit cheaper. I think they're like 35 bucks. Um, and then uh, the game before that, the, the Red Sox game on Friday will we'll be in too. And we're going to be in right field. And there's like these half moon tables that are uh, that are in the right field area. It's kind of like a, a, like a cool little casual area. Uh, we have two of those tables. So come, come uh, say what's up and, and hang out with us there as well. If you're interested in uh, if you're going to be at that game on Friday too. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Me too. I, I had never been to spring training before you and I went a couple of years ago, and I, I had a, I've had a blast every time we've gone. I think, I think it's just like so much fun to – it's like your first taste of baseball, and it's usually good weather. So uh, it just gets you in the mood for the season. Um, and speaking of the season, our first regular season event is April 7th versus Baltimore. That's a Saturday afternoon game at 1 o'clock. That's the first Saturday of the, of the home schedule for the Yankees. So that place is going to be – Poppin', uh, April 7th, as I said. The next one is May 26th against the Angels. The one after that is June 29th against Boston. That is the only Friday of the 6th. July 28th versus KC is a Saturday. August 11th versus Texas is also a Saturday. And then finally, Saturday, September 15th versus Toronto to round out the six, uh, six different tickets that we've got. Um, still TBD on where the pregame parties and stuff are going to be. I've started to do. We started to do some research about bars in the area for at least that April seventh game because it's a one o'clock game. Uh, I know, like I said, the stadium atmosphere is going to be awesome. So we want to keep it local around um, Yankee Stadium for that first one. Yeah, I mean, we're we're pretty close to announcing. I, I said that I would have it by uh, last week. Sorry, the uh, I, I promise you this week we will one hundred percent have it. Um, the the tickets available and ready for sale. We're we are talking to a couple of different bars uh, just to set some things up. We want to get the best deal we can get for you guys. That's that's the whole deal behind these tickets. So, um, but but definitely this week, I promise you, I will have uh, a ticket for sale ready to go um, for at least that first game, and then most likely that second game as well. So we are, uh, and, and they'll be you could buy them directly on the uh, Bronx Pinstripe Shop, the fan shop, which is attached to our website. And basically what's going to happen in the back, uh, we'll do similar to what we did with the first game, is you're, you'll buy the ticket through us. We will have um, the, the first... I talked to the Yankees again this past week, and we have a very... Starting in row three of Section 205, we have basically all of 205 available to us. All of Section 205 is practically available. There's going to be some sprinkled in people who have season tickets and uh, you know tickets that have been already sold, but we have first dibs on all of those seats for every single game pretty much that we have, those six games. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, tell your friends, tell your family, bring a, a crew with you. I will make sure that you guys are sitting close to each other. Um, but yeah, the BP crew is going to be in full effect this year. Get pumped up for it. Start talking about it. Tickets will be very reasonable. Like we had them reasonable last year. 
ticket prices have gone up a little bit this year, but they're still going to be very reasonable. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely trying to keep um, the ticket price within uh, within a good range for everybody. So, yeah, I'm and you're, you're not just getting the game ticket. You're also getting the T-shirt with it, the pregame party yeah. uh, with beer deals and stuff like that. So it's the whole package that you're buying. Absolutely. So keep an eye out for it. This week, you will have a, uh, a purchase page on the fan shop for sure. First, all right, we got a bunch of mailbag questions, so let's get into those. The first one is from Ryan Finnegan on Twitter. He's at underscore Finnegan. We have too many outfielders in a hole at third base. What are the chances that Clint Frazier could be at third base this year? He has prior experience at the position. Before you answer, Scott, his prior experience is third base in high school. I hate when people say, well, someone did something in high school, so that means they can do it in the pros, the most elite baseball level there is in the world. I'm sorry, just because you played high school baseball at third base or catcher or center field does not mean you can automatically do that in the pros. It's hard, and it's especially hard to move from the outfield to the infield. Talking about taking a third baseman and plopping them out in left field or right field, fine, I get it. But when you take a an outfielder, Clint Frazier's been an outfielder his entire professional baseball life, and you try and put him 90 feet down the third baseline, screwed. So I've always, I've always been talking about how I think that a lot of players can move positions with relative, I'm not going to say ease, but have the ability to do it. Some of the, a lot of these guys are very good athletes and can do things. This is one of those things when you're talking about moving an outfielder, a corner outfielder, onto, a, uh, onto the infield is a totally different animal. Like that is not something that, that you, the amount of reps that you need to get comfortable at an infield spot, especially third base, which is probably, I think the hardest position on the diamond that, that is, that is a, Short that stop. is a very, very, yeah, I guess you need more range, but I think difficulty wise, I don't know, whatever it's <laughs> third base is, is uh, not an easy position to, to just get slotted in as an outfielder. One, I, I think Clint Frazier is a good athlete. I don't think he's like the most athletic guy in the sense that he can change positions well enough. I, I, I see him as more of a, a stiffer um, corner outfielder, honestly. I don't think he's... I wish he's it was that mobility. easy. I wish it was like it's a just, video game and you could just go in, edit the player, change his position. Clint Frazier's the third baseman now. Yay, we can bring in all the prospects and just shift their positions around to make it work for our team. I wish it was that easy. It's just not that easy. Yeah, it's not. It's not that easy. You're talking about like when I am advocating for a guy to change positions, to me it's a guy that that has one the athleticism and and he's fluid in the field. Like those are the guys like those middle infielders, a lot of them can play different positions. I was talking about right. Todd Frazier. Like he's a very very good athlete. He can move around really well. But you're talking about uh, like, Todd I, Frazier playing third base and first base. That's a two natural infield spots, transition. But I could also see him going out to outfield. I think it's a lot easier for with an the, infielder uh, to go whatever. to the outfield. It is a lot easier for the infielder to go to the outfielder. Like we saw what the Yankees what the Yankees did with uh, Tyler Wade and what they um with Billy McKinney, they're sort of moving him around the diamond. Yeah. McKinney was playing first base. You can, I guess, bring an outfielder and put him at first base, but third base easier than third base. Third base is tough, and, third base and is a hard Clint, I think Clint Frazier is too good of a prospect to do that to. Oh, it's not even in the conversation. I'm not even going to entertain it as a as like that's it's the reason. Not, it's, it's just not, not going to happen because it's not we're, a. We're, I don't think it, it's not a conversation that's being entertained in the Yankees organization. No, that's the bottom line. Frazier was a, played a, a pretty solid left field. A lot of energy out there, making diamond plays and stuff like that. Yeah, a lot of energy. I love him. I think he's a good. I think he could be a very good corner outfielder. I don't think he's even a center fielder any longer. I think he's a. I think he could be a very good corner outfielder. I think that's. I think he's found a nice little home in left field. All right. What's up next? Um, Next one is from Nick Tedesco. He says, Sterling Castro going to make $10 million a year. David Robertson going to make $13 million a year. What do you, 
What do you think of a three-team trade to where we send Robertson to the Cubs, who send prospects to the Marlins, and then you trade for trade us Castro? Seems like a win all around. This is a this is a fun one. <laughs> hypothetical like a, situation. A merry-go-round. Total in a, in hypothetical a perfect situation. world, would you want Starling Castro on the Yankees again? Yeah, I do. I like I like Castro. At what cost? I, I'm, a, I'm a big Starling Castro fan. At, at the cost of David Robertson. Uh, at this point, at this point, probably not. I, I don't think the Yankees need, you know, a ton of offense at this point. I think that they're more well served having depth in their bullpen and uh, on the pitching side because, you know, with the rotation, I think it's. I'd rather have the depth in the pitching than have another offensive player. Why do you think the Yankees traded Starling Castro? Because of the minor leagues, because of Glaber Torres, I think is a direct result of Glaber Torres. Yeah. If they didn't have Glaber Torres, I don't. Maybe they still move him, um, but it's there's different scenarios that have to happen. It's not a, as easy of a trade. So if the it was it wasn't just a money reason because yeah, obviously you're getting Starling Castro's ten plus million dollars off the books, which allowed you to bring in Giancarlo Stanton and, and make the the numbers work. But I think they could have found that ten million dollars elsewhere. But they traded. They chose Castro because they wanted to open up room for Gleyber Torres. I think that's. I think that is the number one reason. I, I, so I agree well, with you. Well, and I think it, it the the situation like kind of like I'm talking about how Darvish would have to fall into Cashman's lap for that to happen. That's what happened with Stan. I mean, like this fell into your lap. So you got to look around and be be creative in how you make this move. Yeah. And while I don't know if they were 100 percent ready to give it to Gleyber Torres, I, I think that this just kind of put them over the edge. Like, okay. This guy can make that make that move, and he can do that now. So let's just let's push it forward because well, the Yankees are always just more you know they're always more conservative with the way that they bring guys up. This kind of this changed that situation. I, they're not ready to give the job to Gleyber Torres. They're ready. They're going to be ready on April twelfth though. And he needs those twelve <laughs> days of seasoning in the minor leagues. Like he's going to get maybe forty at bats during that time. He's going to field a bunch of ground balls, and then boom, automatically he's ready. April twelfth. Let's go, Gleyber. You're in, you're in the majors now. Oh, what? Extra year of service? What are you talking about? Extra year of service? Never heard of that. Doesn't that just lead to him? Doesn't that like? Isn't that a positive? He only needs twelve days in the minor leagues. It's right. such a good thing. Uh, next question is uh, a Twitter question from Austin Maskey at Austin Maskey. What's the biggest challenge you see the Yankees facing this year? It's a very broad question, but I think it's it was. Uh, I wanted to narrow it down to a few different things. Uh, for me, one of the biggest concerns I see the Yankees facing this year, and it's something we've talked about all offseason, is two rookies potentially starting in the infield. I think that's a big deal. but And this is leading us to the down the road of I don't think it's going to happen. I still think uh, Frazier's going to be at third base. I, I think they want to avoid that. I think there's already a lot of young guys. Um, I think if they're put in that position, though, where they have to do that, or if you see Anduar just light it up in uh, you know in spring training and, and wins that job if there's someone less of a tier than Frazier that if they if they were to bring in a guy that's that's um you know not as big of a name a, a lesser free agent than than Todd Frazier then I think there's going to be a very open competition um and then you could run into an issue like that where their experience could potentially be a problem who knows yeah so the second one that I'm I'm that keeps me up at night is the young superstars namely Aaron Judge taking a step back that does it keep you up at night or is this just like are we forcing I woke up I woke up plate? I woke up last night with with uh cold sweats thinking Aaron yeah. Judge striking out. 
but but it's a real possibility. Like Judge might not finish second in yeah. MVP voting next year. Everyone's banking on him having another massive year, and the offense is going to be fantastic. Him, Judge, uh, Stanton, Greg Bird, blah blah blah, down the line. But the reason the Yankees were in the ALCS last year is because Judge played like an MVP. Gary Sanchez uh, hit like on, hit yeah, like an all star, and then right. Severino pitched like a Cy Young. What if those three yeah. things don't happen next year? Right. There's a lot of things that have to happen for the Yankees to do. I mean, I think people forget that the Yankees overachieved last year in a big way. And yeah. that a lot of these guys came to a point where we thought they would be maybe in another year or two. And, and it happened so fast. Right. So, you know, having a, a regression, kind of a like a, a natural correct correcting uh, of a corrective uh, of what happened. Like you see it all the time. Things correct themselves if, if they jump out too much. You want to know how fast it's, it happened? Sophomore slumps. Are, are, are very real. This is how fast it happened. Aaron Judge was fa- battling Aaron Hicks in spring training for the starting right field job, barely won it, and then started opening day batting eighth. And then <laughs> like, was the triple crown leader right. going into the All-Star break. Like it, they, they came out, it essentially came out of nowhere. So I, while I don't think that there's going to be like a huge regression, I think these guys are, are um, I don't know, they have the makeup, I think, to, to really handle that type of thing. I, I think when you're looking at those regressions, you see it, I, you look at more of a makeup of a player. Like I think these guys are like like very 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 good professionals. I think they're going to build on it rather than have a regression. You, you know the numbers may be a, a slightly down just because they were so inflated. You you may see a little, but I wouldn't even call that a regression honestly. Um, you um, the, well, another thing Judge has to deal with is that he is now the face of the Yankees. Yeah. Well. Yeah. You're right. Until the other big ass guy that came no, over, Judge is still the face of the Yankees. He, you're you're going to see more be, Aaron Judge ninety nine. You're going to see more number ninety nine shirts in Yankee Stadium than number twenty seven stand shirts. Oh, 100 percent because he's a homegrown guy. Right. There's no doubt about it. But there's going to be a lot of marketing efforts towards uh, towards Stanton. It's going to be of a, more of a shared platform. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying, what did you like, say? They're going to put some some gimmicky thing out in left field stands for him. They're going to. It's going to happen. Like, they're going to leave somebody out. It's. I, I feel like they'll, it would be a slight to him. The. Um, they're going to play on the fact that these guys are practically the same dude. That's going to happen. There's going to be so many little marketing things that they're going to be shoved down our throats of these two guys being massive human beings and on the same team. It's going to happen a lot. So, so, uh, at so what day, how many see. days into the season or even into spring training do we get a photo shoot with Judge Stanton and Torres? Oh, dude, it's going to happen in spring training. It's probably yeah. happening now. They're probably... <laughs> It's already planned. They already have it ready to go. They just have to actually implement it. Yeah. It's 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 definitely happening. They're uh, going to do all that stuff. The the other thing, like when you're talking about these regressions, though, um, the the third thing that I think the the only the one big area for me, which I think is actually a very real question mark as well, is that DH spot. You know, we don't have a, a guy that's going to be going in that DH spot. I think it's very. It's very open to interpretation what Boone's going to be doing with that DH spot. Is he is Giancarlo Stanton going to be the primary DH? Are they really going to rotate them in and out of right field yeah. on a weekly basis? Like, What's going to happen there? Because I think that's a very big question mark. It's a question and, mark, but I don't think it's a concern. I don't think, I don't think, at least let me say this, I don't think offense is a concern. I don't think offense is a concern in general, but I, I think when we're talking about the DH spot, it's the... Uh, you know, those reps, like getting a guy comfortable yeah. in that DH spot. If it's going to be, if he's, if Giancarlo Stanton is going to be your primary DH, then I want that to happen almost from the get-go. I want I want that to happen early on. Let's, let's have that saying that he's going to be primarily the DH, but he's also going to rotate into the field to, to give guys days off, to give other guys, uh, you know, spots in that DH. But when it comes around, you know, mid-season and when all-star ballots are out, like Giancarlo Stanton is going to be on that DH ballot. 
I agree. Uh, yeah, and I think what you're getting at is just the the roster maneuverability and how Boone's going to slot guys in because there's a lot of outfielders. We have too many outfielders. But it's also a situation where, okay, we have Judge and Stanton who can both play right field. We have, they're counting on Aaron Hicks who has never played. Who have only played right field. Who have only played right field. Only played right field. Aaron Hicks is a center fielder who had a great first half last year and then was injured uh, on and off the entire second half. Never was the same player again that he was in April, May, and June. Who knows what, what Aaron, I mean, we've seen Aaron, uh, Aaron Hicks' uh, Instagram page. He's yoked right now. He, he's, he's getting a little uh, self-conscious that Judge and Stanton are, are looking swole, and he's been doing bicep curls the whole offseason. So fine, Aaron Hicks is the center fielder. And then we've got Gardner in left field, and then this annoyance, this little pest, this little gnat at the back of your neck in Jacoby Ellsbury, when all we want to see is Clint Frazier in that spot. Right. <laughs> I don't think Jacoby Ellsbury is going to affect much of the other guys, the the guys in front of him and what they do. I think he's just going to be there if he is there. I'm still hoping. I've still got my fingers crossed that he's not going to be there in some somehow, some way. But um, yeah, it's it's a it's a concern. I, I I think it's a concern for me just because of these guys are such creatures of habit. They get into such routines with their um, their their daily preparation and how they approach a game. It's a big difference when you don't have to go out there and take reps before the game in right field, and all you're doing is managing your swings. Are you going to, are you going to take the same amount of swings? Are you going to take more swings? Are you going to tire yourself out before the game? I don't know. This, these are, these are things that can really happen. Aaron judge didn't get tired in the home run derby. Giancarlo Stanton did. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's, that's a, why Stanton's maybe been doing all thing. these off season workouts, posting on Instagram. He doesn't want to get tired again. He doesn't want to get shown up by his own teammate. Yeah. There's, I just think it's an adjustment. I, the, the word concern I think is the wrong word. I think it's just how they're going to make these adjustments and, and what's going to happen. So I'm not concerned yet, but I'm interested to see how it plays out. Well, the reason that he got tired Stanton is because he was swinging at a hundred percent to hit the home runs in the home run derby. Whereas judge was swinging at like 75%. That's true. Which, but he didn't need to. So, you know, does he, does he not know how strong he is? <laughs> I saw him with that, that like lat pull down machine. Like yeah. the guy was a freaking animal. I thought the machine was going to break. Yeah. What's up next? It's scary. Uh, there's also, quickly, people are talking about Ellsbury in this. Uh, I've, I've seen this a number of places. I want to address it quickly. And uh, someone's just talking about it in the comments as well. Um, Sean Fitzpatrick talking about, he's, that he's not that bad. Ellsbury is not that bad of a player when you're looking at it. And I, I think a lot of people have, when you look at the numbers uh, that Ellsbury puts up, like you wouldn't think that they're like horrible, horrible numbers. The problem is, is that he doesn't need to be there. And the contract associated with Ellsbury and the fact that he is there blocking a guy like Clint, Clint Frazier just pisses people off. Yes. The fact that he's there is annoying. Yeah. He's, he's like you said, you've, you kind of made him like a gnat and that's, that's a good comparison. He's an annoying, like just there, a mosquito sucking off the blood of like the, the, the fan base and the, uh, the, the organization's money. Right. And if it's you not give, his fault. He you, signed the contract that was given to him. Thank you. If you give Ellsbury 150 games a year, he'll put up decent numbers, average numbers. But then when you look and you're like, well, we're paying him $21 million and he's not even a starter for us. Yeah, he's, 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 a, he's a hindrance to your team. Well, he's also a hindrance in the fact that he's keeping people back. He's, right. he's keeping guys who are ready to play in the major league in the major leagues or almost ready to play in the major leagues. And he is blocking them for a guy that has no future on this team. Everybody agrees on that zero future on this team. Nobody wants him here. So that's why it's, it's more of like a, we just don't like him. <laughs> What's the next question? All right, the next one is from PJ at Darth Bundy zero nine zero. 
He says, how many games until Boone gets ejected? Seems like a non-fighting guy. So I was tweeting out earlier this week on uh, how many times was Boone ejected in his playing career. And all I could find is one. And it was actually in his major league debut. He got thrown out at home plate, thought he was safe. And you could see he, he, he stood up, he saw the call, he was out, and he slammed his helmet down. And as soon as he slammed his helmet down, he puts his hands on his head like, shit, what did I just do? I am a rookie in my major league debut and I just... My dad's going to yell at me. I just threw my helmet at the feet of the umpire. I'm an idiot. And I think that scared him straight because I could not find another time that he was ejected in his entire major league career. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how his uh, his dynamic is a little different when he's a player and as a manager. Um, he does seem like a very level-headed guy in that sense and, and like a nice dude who likes to get along with everybody. So, you know, he probably already has good relationships with the umpires just from from uh, like hanging around the field, for being in the booth, like chit-chatting with them um, during games and such. So I, I assume that he's a guy that, that likes to have his relationships and good relationships. So it would almost be to me, the this is what I could see Boone doing, getting mad because he's supposed to get mad to defend a guy and telling the umpire to throw him out. Well, no, you need to throw me at out a certain right point. Now, he's going to need to get thrown. There's certain situations where the manager needs to get thrown out, whether it's to fire up your team, to back up a player or whatever it may be. That was the one thing I think every Yankees fan could actually get behind Joe Girardi on was that yes. he backed up his players. Like, do you remember the, the classic time in Fenway Park when Dempster hit A-Rod? Yes. Uh, Girardi was out there. Oh, I thought he was going to punch the umpire in the face. He was fired up. Girardi actually knew when to get thrown out of games. I think he he does not. I think he got credit for that, but I think that's one thing uh, was underrated about him. He actually could pick and choose his times on when to get thrown out, and he had the he had also the awesome one at the beginning of last season where he was covering the the uh, covering home plate in dirt in Tampa. And remember, the umpire refused to to clean it off, and then we had Gary Sanchez so wiping ridiculous. it off with his glove. That pissed me off so badly. The the unprofessionalism. It was such a little whiny bitch umpire moment oh the umpire i thought you were gonna say about girardi no the umpire yeah. the fact that he wouldn't clean the plate off yeah. is so utterly ridiculous asshole um yeah i agree he's gonna have to pick and choose like i think there are moments where as an umpire or as an umpire as a manager you do have to uh you know show that you're defending your players and i think that uh it's it's more you know it's more of a a thing that it's accepted as a manager to get thrown out of a game and you know, I, I think Aaron Boone is the, the type of guy that will defend his his players. And I could see it happening, you know, a lot more than, than I don't think it, him as a player is a good representation of what would happen as him as a manager. Because I, I think he will um, defend his players, no doubt about it. So I think the first time he gets thrown out this year is going to be at Fenway Park. And Aaron Judge is going to hit a, a home run so far off Chris Sale. It's going to piss him off so much. He's going to that little scissor happy little bitch is going to drill Stanton right in the middle of the back. Stanton is going to look at him like, really? You want to do this? You little string bean? I could break you in <laughs> half at the waist. And uh, Boone's going to have to come out and, and get tossed. Yo, the one thing we haven't even talked about, can you imagine? I mean, last year was bad. Last year with the, with the team that the Yankees had was bad. Can you imagine now looking at also Giancarlo Stan on this team? We'll see. Like what team is going to try to brawl? Well, like Detroit just, did. Detroit did, and and Judge was peacekeeper. The, here's the difference I think between Stan's Judge not and a peacekeeper. Stan. He doesn't look like a peacekeeper. <laughs> now Stan and Cece are going to be out there ready to throw bodies, whereas Judge is going to be the guy that's holding his teammates back. Yes, because yes. Judge and, well, Judge isn't a fighter. Judge is not a fighter. He's too mild mannered. He's too even keeled. Maybe Stan rubs off on him. Maybe Stan gives him a little bit know. of that. I don't know edge. if we need that though. We need the the yin and the yang. 
That's true. That's true. It, it's, it'll be interesting, but they, that's a bad move to do. Our, our best fighter last year was Austin about. Romine. Yeah, he's because he's a little, uh, you know, he probably, you know that kid wrestled his entire life. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next up, we have a morbid question from uh, Rickill9 at Ricky underscore Barber. How, many, how bad would the Yankees have to start for Boone to get fired before the All-Star break? I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a number. I don't think he gets fired at all. They're in ever. last place. They are 20 games under 500. There's infighting in the clubhouse. Boone cannot manage a bullpen. Everyone's falling apart. You got, you got Stanton and Chapman on, on Instagram complaining about Boone's clubhouse management. I think he gets fired okay. in that situation. Okay, fine. <laughs> okay, if all <laughs> hell breaks loose, if there are open containers in the dugout, if there is, uh, you know, if there are like naked women running around. Open containers? They, yeah, like, <laughs> like random. You're, you're right. Yeah, like let's just add every random situation possible. Right. It would have to be the worst, yeah. most chaotic situation in the uh, known to man, yeah. and it would have to leak out into the public. Yeah. In in a real life, I don't think there's a situation that will uh, that will get him fired because Brian Cashman is way too tied to Aaron Boone now. Mm-hmm. What's up next? So, the and the rest of the Yankee brasses as well. Uh, this one's from. Uh, this one's from Chris Northrop. He says, "Which spring training battle are you looking forward to most?" And he he we have a couple here. Yeah. Um, the infield the infield is is one the is is very interesting when you're looking at second base, third base, um, because a lot of the other positions on the team are definitive. We kind of know what the deal is. Yeah. Like go down the lines. We know Sanchez and Romine are the catchers. We know Greg Bird yep. is the first baseman as long as he's healthy. Did you see my little note in there? <laughs> I said don't say this. As long as I he's said healthy. don't say this. I have uh, so I, I've been very very good about knocking on wood and putting caveats on Greg Bird. Don't worry, he's he's. I'm gonna. But yes, he is tongue. the start. He, going into spring training, he is the starting. He it's his job to lose. Yes, Didi obviously shortstop. We've got the outfield, the, the outfielders, the collective outfielders of Gardner, Hicks, Judge, Stanton, Ellsbury, blah blah blah. But the second base and third base with Torres, Anduar. Ronald Torres, uh, Tyler Wade, if they sign a free agent like um, Frazier, as we've been saying all episode, or uh, Eduardo Nunez or somebody, those are the only battles. And I'm also looking forward, really looking forward to seeing what Chad Green does in spring training. Are they using him as a starter or are they using him as a reliever? That's actually, if I had to pick one, that's the one I'm looking forward to most. Yeah, I don't even know if that's necessarily a battle, but more of a storyline. Story I think line. it's more, more of the things we're going to look at because I don't even think that you know, when you're looking at battles, I don't think there are any. I think if Torres plays to his ability, you know, whether it's the, the beginning of the season or two weeks after the season starts, it's his job. So um, I don't think that he's really going to be battling somebody for second base. Uh, and Anduar is battling. Anduar, I think, is battling. To me, Anduar is battling. Anduar is battling, especially if they're bringing someone in. Problem is, if they are to sign Todd Frazier, Anduar is not battling at that point anymore. No. I think Todd Frazier's the guy. So, so maybe that's why they don't want to sign a free agent. Maybe I we'll, we'll see what happens, but there's when you're talking about position battles at this point, there just really aren't that many. It's it's guys who have to play well so that they can almost take what's what's uh, I don't want to say rightfully theirs, but what's slotted in as their spot. Like, well, these what, guys have to perform up to their billing. That's what Aaron Judge said when he accepted the rookie of the year. He said, "Well, next year I'm going to have to go into spring training and fight for my right field job." Very Derek Jeter like, absolutely, he's going to because Aaron Hicks, maybe someone else plays beats out Aaron Hicks for center field. Who knows? Maybe Clint Frazier comes on and lights it up and says, I'm going to take the right field job. Forget you, Stan. Yeah, that's a good you, point. Judge. Could, Who knows? Could Clint Frazier fight his way ahead of uh, some of the other outfielders? 
I think that one thing that nobody's talking about is that Aaron Hicks is not a definitive spot. I don't think Aaron Hicks he is. I think if okay, fine, but if Aaron Hicks, he's not he's not cemented in there. If Aaron Hicks has a bad spring training, if he has a bad spring training and he doesn't start off the season well, do you think he's going to stay in the center fielder? They're going to put Ellsbury in there if he's there. First of all, Ellsbury will be that guy. Okay, well, and, if they and then we're looking at Aaron Hicks and Clint Frazier is battling it off for a fourth outfielder spot, and then it's not very clear. If uh, if Aaron Hicks has a bad spring training, but Jacoby Ellsbury also has a bad spring training, I think they're going to start Aaron Hicks. It's his no, job. Aaron Hicks. It's center field is Hicks's job to lose. I agree with that, but my point is, is that he's not this big prospect guy who's coming up with sure. this with this fanfare that's got to be the center fielder. He doesn't have to be the center but fielder. Cashman loves We've him. seen a lot of inconsistencies with Aaron Hicks. I need to see more consistency with the way that one he stays healthy, and I think those pictures were inflated by the way by camera angles. And two, I think the, the, the he's got to prove that he's, he's got <laughs> a little Photoshop at the bat. Hicks is getting a little Photoshop action to make his biceps and triceps look a little. I just think, think the he's camera that angles vein? were a little. I think someone was there inflating some of the, the camera angles. Yeah. I, you know, look at some of the other pictures of him. He doesn't look any different. There's that one picture of him with his arms that he's probably been working out for like 20 minutes. So, so this is what happened. Inflated. Exactly. He was, he, he was in his third set. And he held set. it in the one. He was squeezing. He was in his third Squeeze set. You third get me set. after three sets, and, and I'm not going to say I'm looking like Aaron Hicks, but you're, you're saying, oh, you, that guy works out. If, if, uh, yeah. yeah, but right, you take me off the street. No. I'm saying, but he's been working out. He was working out. You look at the other pictures of Aaron Hicks. I'm just saying, go investigate the rest of the pictures because everybody's focused on that one. Kind of looks like the same guy to me from last year. Interesting. Not that much different. Interesting. Anyway, I just think he's, um, I don't think he's as cemented in a center fielder and, and that could be an interesting play because if you see Clint Frazier come in and light it up, maybe they give Clint Frazier some time in center field in the spring training to see how he does. Not out of the realm of possibilities. We could absolutely see that happen. So, well, here's, here's, it's, it's here's a possibility. Aaron Hicks sucks in spring training. They say, Gardner, go play center field. Frazier, you had a great spring training. Go play left. 100%, 100% could happen. Yeah. 100% could happen. That's another thing that you're right. I should have brought up. Brett Gardner is a natural center fielder. He could play center field with no problem. But uh, Hicks is their best defensive center fielder. I agree with that. I agree with that. But he's got to prove that he can stay healthy and prove that he's got the, you know, some consistency with that bat. He can't be striking out as much as he was doing. That's another when thing. Was, when he was not good. Is the health. Uh, uh, Hicks is, is injury prone. Giancarlo Stanton's played one full season in his career. And it was last year. So uh, Judge uh, last year had the shoulder problem. So injuries can always throw wrinkles in things. And they, and they normally do. They normally do. Yeah. I mean, Cliff Frazier wasn't even supposed to be playing in the major leagues until the rosters expanded last year. Right. Dustin Fowler was the guy in front of him. Dustin Fowler blew out his entire leg, and then all of a sudden you see Clint Frazier up there taking advantage of an opportunity. Who went on the Clint Frazier went on the deal with an oblique. Right. Clint Frazier is going to have opportunities if he's if he's still around, which I at this point I don't think he's getting traded. He's going to have opportunities in the major leagues. Is he going to start there? Probably not, but if he lights up spring training, who knows? Someone in the comments just said that it's debatable who the best defensive center fielder on the team is because Ellsbury's good in center field. Fine. You want to just talk about catching the ball in range? Ellsbury and Hicks are probably equal. But when you have to throw the ball, Ellsbury has a cork arm. Hicks has a gun. I still think Hicks has better range. I think Ellsbury has, is a good defensive center fielder as far as covering ground, but I don't trust Ellsbury for diving full out for balls anymore. No, I, just, a, I don't think he's... he's <laughs> I just, I don't think he's, he's a little bit it, of a you know. wimp. Yeah, I don't see. All, it. Yeah. I think H he's glass Hicks will too. run through a wall. He's Hicks will run through a wall. He that. stole that grand slam. Did he st steal two grand slams last year? Yeah, probably.
right, um, the next next one is from Alex uh, at Naval Base Oceana. Shout out to the Navy. In honor of the Hall of Fame voting, uh, what current or former Yankees do you see that have a chance to wear Yankees cap going into the Hall of Fame? This includes steroid guys, so he wants us to include those guys yeah. into this conversation. So we haven't, ta- thankfully, we have not talked about the Hall of Fame this this offseason. I feel like we did a lot of Hall of Fame talk last year. Yeah, I, well, there were some, uh, I feel like there were more debatable guys. We didn't talk about Mucina. Mucina's guy, one of those guys is just a, a fringe guy, period. I think he's... He'll always be one of those fringe guys. Well, he uh, Messina just missed this year, sixty three percent. He's trajected. He's on the trajectory where he's going to get in either next year or the year after because he's gone right. up every year. And and I feel like as and that's this is why the Hall of Fame. I get angry about it is because it's so political and it's like, well, he's a hall of famer, but he's a fifth ballot hall of famer. It's like, okay, fine. Whatever the hell that means. It's like, yeah, you got your guys, Chipper Jones, first ballot hall of famer. That's a no brainer. Like Chipper Jones was the best third baseman in the 1990s. Jim told me they put first ballot. He was a, one of the best power hitters in the 1990s. I'm shocked though. He never had PED, uh, question marks implications. Yeah. He played in Cleveland with Manny Ramirez. Like, I'm not saying Jim told me did steroids, but I, but you tell me Jim told me took steroids, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Right, yeah, yeah. I, I'm surprised he wasn't. I, I'm not even sure if he wasn't. At some point, like, brought his name at some... No, if, now, if guys... I mean, Never? if guys... Mike Piazza is the only guy who got in first ballot yeah. who had any whiff. Pudge? Well, not first ballot. It was, was Pudge first ballot? Or was... I thought both Pudge and Piazza... Were yeah, so Pudge, they were definitely. They should have both been first. Whispers ballot. about him. Pudge definitely did steroids. Go look at a picture of him yeah. in, the, in Texas. Jeff Bagwell. He's there are steroid guys in the Hall of Fame. There are there are a hundred percent. Which is why, which is why the, the fact that Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, the two best players on steroids, are not in the Hall of Fame is bullshit. Like Roger Clemens was the best pitcher in the eighties and nineties. Barry Bonds was the best hitter in the eighties and nineties. Yeah, I know they took steroids, but they were the best. Put them in the Hall of Fame. We could talk about this for an entire episode. Because I have strong feelings do on you this. Want My to? feelings have definitely changed. Do you want I'll to do it later in the week? There. I'll just maybe I'll, I'll loosely talk about the way I feel at this point because I think I've my uh, my my opinion has definitely changed over the years, and I'm at right now my my stance is I still want I think that some of these guys like to me it's just so much of a gray area who did who didn't that there are steroid guys currently in the in the Hall of Fame like anybody who says there aren't is just being blinded by ignorance because there are guys in there. Um, I saw so what I think should happen is that they should just dub the era what it is and put these guys in yep. because they were the best of that era. Yeah. So the, here's the thing that it, it, to argue the other side, it's like, if you put it in the muse, in the baseball museum as the nineties and the two thousands were the steroid era, or if you put that on everyone who gets voted in on their plaque, then that taints the guys who don't deserve to be tainted. But who but the, the guys, thing is? But the guys who are not know? tainted, everybody knows about. Everybody knows who those guys are. It does, but you have to think about uh, someone going to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2065. That's and, true. And they're reading about these these players, and it's like Derek Jeter, first ballot Hall of Famer, blah 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 blah. And at the bottom, he played in the steroid era. Did he do steroids? I don't know. It's 50 years from now. No, that's true. The history books are, are told through uh, through through a, a lot of what happens, what's said at the, at the Hall of Fame. I mean, when we're looking back, if I when I went to the Hall of Fame, I learned a lot of new things that happened before my time, and it was from reading it there. So yeah, that's a valid point. Um, so I I don't know what the act I don't know what the real solution is, honestly. But at the same time, like that was a that was an era that was heavily influenced by steroids. The entire era. You're looking at guys that were inflated numbers all over the place. 
So to, to leave some of those guys out and put some of them in just I, it doesn't make sense to me at that point. Like no, it is what it is at that point. It, it was part of the culture of baseball then. And then you're also looking at, at guys who were doing steroids, like uh, with Mark McGuire, who did Andro, who had it in his freaking locker. You know, he did more than Andro. But my point is, is that he was doing Andro at a point where there was there was nothing um, illegal uh, about it. Uh, nothing illegal about it. There was nothing against the rules. Like literally sitting in his locker during post game interviews, a bottle of Andro. Like, this is a guy that wasn't hiding it because it wasn't illegal at that point. So then after when it does get illegal, you look back and like, oh, he's a steroid guy because he did it at that point. Like, yeah, he was, but it wasn't illegal. So there, where's the line? There's this no is, line. My argument always is the Hall of Fame is a museum and museums tell facts. The facts are steroids, the steroid era was real. Who are the best guys of the steroid era? You have to report history. You can't pick and choose what history you want to put in a museum. And also, let's let's realize what the 90s were. After the strike and, and steroids really took a, a effect, baseball set records for attendance and TV records. And, and like it was baseball was never more popular in the modern era than it was in the late 90s and 2000s. It was exciting as hell. It's... It, you can make the well, argument. that's because it was coming off of an era uh, of a time frame that wasn't exciting. And it was, I mean, some would say that you look at the commissioner of baseball, who's also in the Hall of Fame now, yeah. allowed this to happen because steroids helped the game progress yeah. and help people get into the, I mean, chicks dig the long ball. Like that was some of the most exciting stuff when you're looking at Sosa and Maguire back and forth. Like it, it was, there was no social media. It captured the nation because these two guys were both embracing it one and were hitting the ball a mile. People loved it. The argument a lot of the baseball writers now make is that once Bud Selig got in, all bets are off. I have to vote for Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens because Bud Selig... It's a valid point. Bud Selig allowed this all to happen. It was right under his nose. It happened. Let's vote in the best guys. So so the question from Alex was also about what what Yankees coming up um, will be in the Hall of Fame. So, so next year's ballot, obviously Mariano Rivera is on it. Um, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think it's, it's, it's interesting how, you know, Trevor Hoffman got in third ballot. No one's even questioning. People are like, Mariano's going to get in first ballot. Not even a question. So that just shows you how much different Rivera was from the rest of the closers. Yeah, Hoffman was the second most accomplished, but he was such a distant second that it doesn't matter. Uh, Todd Helton. See, see, again, like here's, here's where I have problems. This is why this could be so long. You're talking about guys that were playing around the same time, but for, for these two guys. But when you look at the role of closer, and like this also goes into the... Um, the DH spot with uh, Edgar Martinez was, I think, one of the best, uh, one of the best hitters I've ever seen. But you're you're looking at, at, at these guys who are playing the position that they're pl- they're supposed to play in the game that is in front of them at that moment. Why why are they getting penalized for that? Like it doesn't make sense to me. Hoffman is a guy who had a, a lot of saves. You're looking back and you see some of these guys who had two inning saves. They're and they're they're not lumped in because they don't have the number of saves. Like it's just it's so many numbers when you're talking about these these guys. That's what it is. Who, played similar positions i know it's all about the numbers but it's it's it is slowly becoming less about the numbers because you can't compare the numbers anymore they're just not comparable so you have to use the eye test and you have to say who who did i who was i looking at and who was i afraid of when he was at at bat or uh, we were he was coming in the game and he was we knew he was going to shut the door blah 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 those are the players that belong in the hall of fame in my opinion, if that if I don't remember that guy as being one of the most dominant players of that era, like I could do the eyeball test with that. Just just saying, like that was a guy that was was around for a while and was dominant. And then you go and look at the numbers, like okay, yeah, he was dominant. Yeah, like it, it just it's a lot of it is uh, you just know who they are. And that's why Messina is sort of teetering back and forth um, 
I think he's going to get in. It, here's a question. When Messina gets into the Hall of Fame, Baltimore cap or Yankees cap? Um, and do I don't you, know. Do you care? No, I think he had probably... I, I would say he's going to go in with uh, Baltimore. I agree. That would be my guess. He was a better pitcher see, with like, Baltimore. Mucina, Muc- he was a better pitcher, but Mucina's like that guy. Like To me, you know, it's maybe an unpopular position, but he's not a Hall of Famer in my opinion. I'm looking at him, I'm seeing... And then I go back to his numbers, I'm like, okay, well, maybe. If we look at his numbers, like he was right there for this and, and that. And he was also pitching in the time when the steroids were going rampant. He was That's pitching true. in it. It's like, oh, oh 3.6 ERA. He never won 20 games, am I right? He won 19, I think, with the Yankees. No, he won 20 games his last year. Last was it, year was, it was 20, 20 games. Okay, that's... Yeah. That was his only one, though, right? Yeah, I'm going to look it up because... I, I thought he was at 19. Maybe he didn't get 20. Uh, well, but what does that matter? <laughs> like, it's, just, it's just one of those things. Like I, When I think of the best players, of, they were the guys that were coming out and just dominant. 20, 20, he won 20 games in 2008. Right. But it's like you so, look at some of his ERAs like in the 90s and you're like, okay, he had a 3.2 ERA. He had a 3.5 ERA. That's not that good. But then you look at the league average was 4.5 and you're like, well, 3.5 is pretty damn good. When, you're right. So uh, I think that when you're talking about that era as well, when you're looking at pitchers, you almost do have to look at the numbers and look at, look at what's around you because, because of the inflation of, of what the guys are doing at the plate. It's... It's not an easy decision for, for a lot of these guys, um, but I agree with the whole first ballot, third ballot, fifth ballot nonsense. Dumb. Uh, so 2019... Well, I tell you, one thing I, want, I must say, though, it does help the conversation move forward because conversations progress. Opinions progress. Yeah. And the way that you go about these things, keeping a guy on a ballot for a, long, uh, you know, a longer time, like people were mad that Jorge Posada didn't stay on the ballot longer to be in a conversation. Please. But I, like when you're talking about these fringe guys, keeping them on the ballot and having the conversations about them, it does. It doesn't make like it. It makes me. It annoys me in the moment. But when I think back and I, I like take a more object, objective look to the way that they vote, and I think about what my opinions were as I get older personally as well, and take um, different things into account, it makes sense that these opinions do change, and you look at things differently as you get older and when you reflect back on things. So I get it. So a next year, bit. Mariano and Pettit are on the ballot. I think Mariano gets in first ballot. Pettit might stick around for a couple years. I don't see him ever getting in. And you add in the fact that he did steroids, and I think I think that's going to be the icing on the cake for writers to not vote him in. He was just trying to get back to the game faster. A little HGH. 2020, Derek Jeter. Some people are saying that he's going to be the first unanimous. I don't, I don't believe that. Uh, and 2022, we got A-Rod, who I think should get in the Hall of Fame. But you have to lump him in with the uh, Barry Bonds. Roger Clemens thing. And then other players who have played for the Yankees who I think uh, have Hall of Fame numbers, at least, is Sabathia, Carlos Beltran, and Ichiro. Um, I'm just going to read the next question from Greg. It relates to the Hall of Fame. At uh, GBout35, who do you think gets more Hall of Fame votes, Jeter or Mariano? And will one of them be unanimous? I don't think anybody will be unanimous. <laughs> Griffey I, wasn't unanimous, right? So No, no one will like, ever I, I don't, uh, there's going to be some guy that says no, and I guarantee there's going to be probably a couple guys about Jeter. They'll they'll say I don't put as much stock in his postseason, and they'll look at what he was at the shortstop and compare him to other shortstops. Uh, they will make up things, whatever to, they need to do to justify their position. Yeah. Um, so I don't think that will be um, Mariano Rivera. Some people will hold the closer thing against him, and and they'll say he was a failed starter and was a, a just a closer, and they'll hold that against him. So I don't think anybody will be unanimous. Um, I think Jeter will have more votes, though. Yeah, that's not even a question, I think, because of the position. Right. Uh, all right, final question, and it relates to our final topic. Um, I'm going to let you read this one. Ugh. 
this is uh this was a, uh, put in against my will uh from dan landau nyc fc and nyy fans there's a soccer fan too uh can you compare the jeter era yankees dynasty to the brady era patriots which is greater what will this super bowl make a difference in that discussion which dynasty is better it's apples to oranges baseball to football all right so i hate this question first of all um uh, so, so i'm only going to talk about the, the fact squirm. that derek the fact that derek jeter didn't need any uh you know other narratives to do what he did <laughs> and didn't need any any other like you know he didn't he didn't do steroids let's all be honest derek jeter didn't do this tom brady needs you know maybe he needs some extra cameras he needs a fake injury he needs you know a little bit of a deflation in his balls he needs he needs all these things around him he's kind of a system guy um, you know, like there's so many things around him that, you know, if Belichick's not there, I don't think Brady's is, you know, that guy. Derek Jeter is just Derek Jeter. So Derek Jeter is a far superior athlete. Derek Jeter is a far <laughs> superior human being. Derek Jeter is um, the, the much, it's much harder, in my opinion, to win a World Series than it is a Super Bowl. He played a much more, uh, you know, a tougher position. Well, the thing is, Brady it, just it, slotted we're not, com- the question isn't who's had a better career, Jeter or Brady. First of all, a quarterback has more influence on a Super Bowl win than a shortstop does on a World Series. One, if you're a defensive end in football, it's like you can only make so much of an impact. But the quarterback, especially in the last 20 years of football, is the number one position by a long shot. In baseball, there is not that position. I guess you could argue starting pitching, but like that changes every day. So it's impossible to compare baseball to football. Um, I think the Patriots dynasty is more impressive than what the Yankees did because football is harder to to have that sustained success. We've never seen it in football. We saw Why do you think it's harder? Because because it is it 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 changes more injuries are not more since com- not injuries since are more agency. common not since free agency in in baseball has has it become um, have you seen all these dynasties like you saw them a long time ago but you're not seeing them in the modern day you're right That's, the Yankees are the last free agency because because of free agency free agency has changed the way that baseball is baseball has. 162 games in a season. Then you have to play seven game series, multiple seven game series to win a World Series. It's such a harder thing to do when you look at the probabilities and and all the things that go into it and injuries over such a long period of time. Like the the fact that the Patriots, I agree that the the Patriots run has been like incredibly impressive, but I think a lot of it is the way what Bill Belichick has been able to do because he's, and I'm not saying anything against Tom Brady in this sense, but Bill Belichick has been able to slot in X guy for X position and had sustained success. Yeah. That to me is the most impressive thing. Belichick the, is the more important than Brady. hundred percent. Yeah. The Yankees did it with a lot of individual players. You can't just slot but in. They, a didn't win, they didn't win enough. The Yankees didn't win enough in the two thousands to make the, the sustained dynasty. They won one world series in the two thousand. Uh, era that's not enough they needed to win more no yeah wrong the, the, absolutely not the patriots the, the patriots all, have the won patriots six yeah uh, over, five super bowls over, over 15 years the yankees 15 won years what you're 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 spreading them out first of all 17 the yankees, years, did, it in a, the yankees did it in a to me it's a lot harder and a lot harder to win a uh, a world series in that time frame and not only that but they had like very very competitive teams when they didn't win as well this is a team that didn't go away for a long time. They didn't go away, baseball. but they didn't they didn't get it done after the 90s. They didn't get it done. Look. 
I will never in a million years tell you that the, the Patriots is more impressive ever, 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 ever. Just Someone just said they won two World Series in the 2000s. You're right. 2000 and 2009. Yeah. Yeah. So, so where's your argument? I don't understand that. No, uh, I, whatever. I'm just you wanted arguing you want, well, you the want, other like, side. You want to eight and nine years? Yeah. You want eight and nine years? Eight and nine years. It should have. Okay. Should have won 03. Should have won 01. Should have won 03. Should have won 04. Well, you could look at what happened with the Braves. I was talking about this uh, on Twitter. Braves had all those Hall of Famers, one World Series. Mm -hmm. That's underachieving. Yeah. And then they had the one World Series um, in the, the, the shortened year. Okay, so the, the, we have not talked about football very often in the show. We've, we've pretty much 86 that, thankfully, because the Jets suck. I can't talk about the Jets without getting very mad. And I don't want to talk about the Patriots. So let's make this, let's finalize yeah, this. Yeah, this, fi this is the final. Finish it up. It's Super Bowl Obviously, week. we know who your Super Bowl pick is. Yeah, who's your Super Bowl huh? pick? What's your score? Uh, I think it's a really close game. People saying that the Patriots are going to blow out the Eagles just have not watched the Patriots all year. Um, I think that it's going to be like a 23 to 20 game. 23 to 20. All right. I'm obviously going with the Eagles because I hate the Patriots and I will never uh, pick them. I think they should have lost last year. The fact that the, uh, the Braves, the Falcons are also cho chokers. Yeah, from Atlanta it's in the blood. was the reason the reason they did that they, they choked like you don't win that the other two uh, so two championships from the Patriots also should be off the freaking board. Uh, what do you mean off? Of, they they should, yeah, like, yeah 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 you know the Seahawks the Giants pulled the, the Giants pulled the the Tyree catch off his off his helmet like that shouldn't happen so it's like one okay, first, you, you can trade him off. Anyway, whatever. I think the Eagles are gonna win. I think the Eagles are actually gonna win. I think there is such an underdog fighter workman's class mentality i think nick Foles is going to come in and shock the world <clears throat> and then unfortunately here's my the worst part about this whole thing the eagles are going to win they're going to win the world <laughs> the, the super bowl it's going to be um it's going to be 20 and it's going to it's going to have to be pretty high scoring so it's going to be uh 28 to 24 eagles worst part about this whole thing the Jets are going to sign Nick Foles to like a 10-year deal, and he's going to be horrible. Set the franchise back for another 15 years, and I'm going to be in misery forever. Isn't that crazy that Nick Foles could take the team to the Super Bowl and he has zero chance of being the starter next year? Yeah. He's, well, he's going to be the starter for the New York Jets. That's what's going to happen because the Jets are going to overpay for some jackass that's overachieving. So like, uh, what's his face from Green Bay when the Seahawks signed him? What was his name? Uh, I can't even remember his name. Whatever. F no, um... Yeah, whatever. He had one good game. He yeah, and, six touchdowns. And, 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 yeah, and then they, they drafted Russell Wilson. Um, anyway, uh, Giants fans are rooting for the Patriots. The only people not rooting for the Eagles are Giants fans and Patriots fans. Everyone else is rooting for the Eagles. Because Giants fans hate, hate Philadelphia Phillies, Philadelphia Eagles fans more than they hate Patriots fans. Why would a Giants fan hate a Patriots fan? They beat them twice in the Super Bowl. Yeah. No, I mean, that's Matt fine. Flynn. I'm a Jets Thank fan. You. I'm not a Giants fan, so I hate Matt Joseph, Flynn. Yeah. Joseph. I hate, I, uh, I hate the Patriots. I've, they've become numb to me because the, it's, you know, like the Jets are so bad that it's, it's almost not even a concern anymore. It doesn't matter. So until Belichick and Brady go away, I'm just, I'm just so sick of seeing them. All right, let's, let's wrap this up. We said we were going to do an hour, and we did like an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, thanks, everyone, who tuned in on Facebook Live. Um, really appreciate it. We've been doing this every week, so we're going to continue doing it. Thanks, everyone, who submitted mailbag questions. If you want to do so, bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. And I've also been putting out a call for mailbags every week on Twitter and in the Facebook group, which is where we've been getting a lot of good ones. So thanks, everybody there. Make sure you follow us 
uh, on Twitter at Yankees Podcast, and also uh, just search the the Bronx Pinstripe Show in Facebook and join the group there as well. Scott, anything you want to say before we get out of here? Just keep an eye out for those games. Uh, again, six games coming up in uh, in the Bronx this year with the BP crew. We got Section 205. Uh, it's going to be rowdy. It's going to be fun. If you're planning to go to a game, make sure you check it out. Um, we have six games, one a month, and uh, the information will be out this week, and you will be able to buy the tickets um, for at least the first game, most likely the first two this this week. So keep an eye out for that. Gobble them up. Tell your friends. Get a group together. Start rallying the troops. We're getting close. Spring training's around the corner, so um, I'm getting I'm getting ready to go in uh, in Yankees big time Yankees mode. I can smell it. I can smell baseball. Talk to you guys. <laughs> Talk to you guys. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.